Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. What's going on out in Liberty Town, Chili Willies? Welcome to Electric Liberty Land. I am Brian McWilliams, the one, the only, fortunately, returning from Vienna unscathed. Well, you know, presuming uh, myocarditis doesn't come for me, which it might, because as you know, I had to get vaxxed up to go to Vienna. And uh, you have to show all your vaccine, you know, every time you go in anywhere, vaccine passport, vaccine passport, vaccine passport. Crazy times. But I am back. I'm going to save the majority of my Vienna tales for not only for behind the paywall, because there's some funny times. Uh, I was hanging out with Matt Kibbe and his wife, Terry. Had a blast with them, by the way. I've never gotten to hang, really hang out with the Kibbies in person uh, for a certain amount of time. and had some heavy drinking, heavy pork eating with those guys and just had an absolute blast. But also some of those stories behind the paywall and degenerate gamblers were all great stories of liberty and drinking are told. And uh, also... I did publish, or I tried to publish, an episode of Electric Liberty Land. Now, you might have noticed that it didn't publish. And the reason for that is that in Vienna, they have, and maybe Austria as a whole, but I know for in Vienna, for sure, they have a free Wi-Fi called FreeWave. It's ever-present. It is literally in every bar, every restaurant, every hotel you go into, FreeWave. The same exact Wi-Fi. Now, the problem with this, of course is that if you can't get on that Wi-Fi, you are fucked. And guess who couldn't get on the Wi-Fi? Yes, your good old pal Brian could not get his ass on the Wi-Fi. I tried. I could get my phone connected. No problem whatsoever. Laptop, tried everything. Tried resetting the DNS. Uh, tried resetting all the cache. Clear the cache. Reset it. Get rid of all the cookies, all the browser shit. Everything you could do. Everything the internet dorks told me to do, I did. And I have, a, I have a new Mac. It is under a year old Mac. The operating system's up to date. Restarted the son of a bitch like five times. Didn't matter. Could not get online. Would not permit me to access the online world. I was cut off from civilization. I was cut off from uh, reality as we know it. If the metaverse and Mike, uh, Mark Zuckerberg are to be believed, I have been cut off from the metaverse and from the new reality by virtue of not being able to get online. So that sucked. Now, the good news is that I did record an episode. It's about a 35, 40-minute episode from me in Vienna. I've been there a couple of days, just kind of recounting some current news things, re reacting to, to being in Vienna for a little bit. That is available to you if you're a subscriber. Patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty or lionsofliberty.locals. You can get that episode. You can get our Degenerate Gamblers episodes, as I said, where the Kibby Pork Fest will be talked about. You can get Conspiracy Corners. You can also get Do Nothing Man earlier than anybody else. Now, you guys got it because since I didn't have an episode, I told Mark and Odie, look, just chuck the thing up there. Chuck Do Nothing Man out there early. It's done. It's published. I don't want people to have to go an entire week without their good friend, you know, smacking their veins and, and licking the inside of the Electric Liberty Land baggie in order to get a hit. So I said, put that Do Nothing Man out there. And uh, and that was enough, hopefully, for you guys. Hopefully, there's nobody lying in the basement. But you can get those earlier. If you decide to join and also you can support what we're doing at Lions of Liberty, you know, we do nothing, man, is something I'm very passionate about. It takes a long time. I'm going to try to shorten these. I'm going to try to crank them out faster, make them a little bit less 
libertarian punchy, right? I want to make them more approachable to the general masses, which is going to mean making them a little bit less vulgar, a little bit less explicitly curse heavy, and also a little bit less explicitly in your face libertarian. So that the average person is not going to get pushed off by this because leading with arts is a real central point of what I'm trying to do here. And what I think is going to be a key to us moving forward. And actually was what I did a podcast on while I was at uh, the Austrian conference in Vienna. Now, like I said, I'm going to save the majority of this for next week, because I'm going to have the full podcast episode that I did. I'll talk about Vienna. I will I will thank everybody, uh, you know, Federico Fernandez and Britt Shire and Barbara Combe. I will uh, give all the organizations their proper due next episode so that I'm not just repeating myself ad nauseum here. But um, yeah, it was amazing. You know, I, I, I'm very thankful for the trip to Vienna. Um, and um, I can't say enough about the the people behind it. You know, um, the Austrian Economics Center. Uh, I can't say enough about the Hayek Institute in Vienna. I can't say enough about uh, Fundacion International Basis. Uh, these are wonderful people doing wonderful work. And honestly, being there, it really gave me a shot in the arm. I mean, it was kind of like getting a, an infusion of new blood in me because I will not be be shy in saying that I was getting very burned out. You know, I'm very burned out with the movement uh, here and when where things were and just the circular kind of, I don't know, it just everything was weighing a little bit heavy on me and I was losing a bit of enthusiasm and being there really helped give me a shot. You know, it was uh, it was a nice jolt to the system to see so many people so excited, so many fresh faces um, and people from all over, you know, old, young uh, women, men, even attractive women, if you can believe it, even attractive men. <laughs> I don't even know what to think. I looked around. I, I, am I in Willy Wonka land? Is is Augustus Gloop going to drown in the chocolate fountain? And in Vienna, maybe there was an Augustus Gloop drowning in a chocolate fountain somewhere, but I, I didn't see him. But uh, it was a fantastic experience, except for not being able to get onto the fucking internet. And, you know, at some point during the conference at uh, one panel, it, the question of who will build the roads was literally brought up right and of course yeah i'm in the crowd rolling i didn't want to start yelling at somebody um but with this free wave internet right that, that is non-functional for me i don't know i don't know i would have had to take my computer to a technician at some place to maybe get them to connect me to the internet a cost which i don't need to incur and of course with everybody on a free system at all times there's not as much there's not gonna be as any customer support there there's not going to be as much value there. there's not gonna be much quality as far as the stream reliable stream because it's not private because you can't choose your level of interaction, your level of cost, your level of megabits per second that you want downloaded. And on a greater, greater scale though, the issue I have with this free wave, right? It's great. They provide free internet, but you know, as I said, it was everywhere. The hotels didn't have private networks and now private networks existed, but it's kind of like the Swedish model from what I can glean in that you can pay for your own private internet. And some people do, I'm sure, in their, in their houses pay for these things. Although I didn't see a ton of networks popping up here and there, but I'm sure people can pay for better service, just like the Swedish healthcare system where it's universal healthcare. But yet, if you have any money, you pay for a better service. The problem is when you have the younger generation coming up, right? That's just all used to having this free internet, free wave internet, right? Oh, the government provided it. Now, a generation after them is where you get to the who will build the roads because these kids are just used to always having the Internet. It's always there. It's always free. It's always government provided. They don't have to think about it. They don't have to, to contract with it. They don't have to, to order new ones. They don't have to sub out for a better service to displace their, the Comcast of Vienna you know, with the AT&T fiber of Vienna or whatever it might be. So it becomes now who will build the Wi-Fi? 
You know, because I've got my shit failing over here, but I had no other options, especially in the moment. As a non-resident of Vienna, I'm not going to go and contract with somebody to get a specific internet connection. You know, I, I went to four different bars and, and coffee shops to try to get an internet connection, by the way, all of which had free wave. It's very, very frustrating, if you can imagine as such. And imagine me there raging, you know, sweat pouring down my head, veins pulsing as I'm jet lagged, full of caffeine from the conference. We're doing espresso shots every five minutes. I'm uh, just losing my fucking mind. But anyway, it was a great experience. And you guys are going to hear the podcast uh, that's going to come out from that. Or again, if you go to patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty, you can hear that lost episode now and let me share this with you guys by the way don't forget that you can also get the beautiful lions of liberty merry taxation is death mug look at that i brought up on my screen here if you're at home listening let me describe it to you it's a glorious thing it's 15 bucks right or like you know 17 bucks for a for a 15 ounce mug or 11 ounce mug it's beautiful on the one side it's got a lion of liberty with a santa's hat on it's got lions of liberty and festive christmas letters and on the back it says merry taxation is death from santa claus there from the or from the lions of liberty the merry has nice deer antlers on it it's glorious guys so check that out you get a discount when you join the patreon so make sure you do that and while you're getting discounts, I got to tell you about the best deal I've ever heard. This is from iTrust Capital. And we have got, it, basically, they're changing a little bit why they're doing things. We're Before they were doing a month free, you know, you sign up. No more of that. It's gone. Not only that, but you don't have to go through the link in the bio anymore. You could go through a direct link, I'll tell you right now, to get $100 of Bitcoin for free. $100 of Bitcoin for free just for joining up and depositing money into a Roth IRA account with them. Now. I trust capital number one crypto based Roth IRA account in the biz. They have over 1500 reviews on Trustpilot. They are backed up by not one, but two different crypto centric insurers. So your money is safe there. It's not being hacked. It's not being taken off. It's there. It's there for you. And if you don't know what an IRA is, it provides you with tax free ways to keep your money for retirement down the line. That's what it means, right? But you don't have to use it just for retirement. These guys have the lowest transaction fees in the business. They are fully transparent. They have 25. They just added two more, by the way, 25 cryptos. No other IRA has that. None. You're not going to find it. 25 different cryptocurrencies. You can go in, you can invest, and they give you $100 of free Bitcoin when you start an account, when you deposit that money and start your IRA account. You can go to itrust.capital forward slash lion's and that way you can get your 100 free uh, Bitcoin. Itrust.capital, remember, itrust.capital slash lions, get that 100 free Bitcoin bucks and get your future on the right track. It's a denement. All right, let's get into the show. Um, you know, it's funny, <laughs> right before I jumped on here, for the third time, by the way, because again, it's Tuesday. I have to record this Tuesday as a course in preparation for it to go out you know, midnight on Wednesday morning. Once again, my gardener, it's like it's like I'm a witch. It's like I'm a witch who has a brilliant hex that I don't even know I'm I'm casting this spell because whenever I start to record, he shows up. He shows up and I have to stop and start over again. And because I do it on StreamYard so I can pull up all my different uh, you know transitions and stuff on here, I have to just stop and re-record the thing from the get-go. Very frustrating. But fortunately, got a funny little uh, little bit here because Mark Claire had tagged me and Mark Claire has been on a bunch of shows lately. You might've noticed uh, he was just on uh, Jason Stapleton show today, which I presume means that they spent the first 10 minutes talking about the good friend, Brian McWilliams. 
as you do. But Mark tagged me in a, a funny little tidbit shared by Zuby, you know, Zuby Music, a, uh, a very enlightened musician. And uh, he shared this, this little tidbit. Mark said, this is clearly what Brian was really in Vienna for. Here's the story. COVID-19, Vienna Brothel offers customers 30 minutes with a lady of their choice in exchange for coronavirus jab. And they said, vaccination uptake levels in Austria among the worst in Europe. Woo, go Austria. And roughly 64% of the Austria's population is fully vaccinated. But those who are unjabbed are now bound from, bound, can't speak, banned from visiting cafes, restaurants, and hairdressers. Now, as you know, I can back that up because I was there. And yeah, they asked your vaccine passport to go virtually anywhere. But I think it was pretty funny that they're, they're doing, you know, I mean, look. You know, here we're offering people a hundred bucks. We're all, you know, okay, here you get some free candy. Here's a loaf of bread. I mean, it, that's, that's a pretty good incentive, especially if you're already a guy who's into ladies of the evening. You know, you might be hesitant to go out. And now you're like, well, shit, not only do I get to go back to my favorite whorehouse in Vienna, but I also get to jab for free. All right. I mean, you're talking incentives, people. This is a good incentive. Let's respect the game. You got to respect the game here. But it is hilarious how ridiculous these people are getting the incentives to get people vaccinated when we know that it doesn't work a buddy of mine just got double he's he's double vaccinated just got covid laid out for 10 days this is like the 50th person i know that got double jabbed and has covid meanwhile i'm going to the european union and you'd think the european union they'd have you know one standard for everything the the insanity to try to travel there. You have to get very specific tests. For, to go to Hawaii, by the way, you need a very specific PCR test that nobody else uses in the fucking world. But to go to Hawaii, you need a PCR test. Same thing. Going to Vienna, had to get a PCR test. I'm at Air France's desk. The, the poor woman checking me in is looking on her phone, literally Googling how, what the standards are, what the rules are to go to Austria and go to Vienna as I'm waiting to fly on the airplane. I called Air France before I flew and asked them, how do I get there? What do I do? And they were like, we don't know. It changes every day. Go to this website and literally pointed me to a fucking website to go to. This is the state that we're in. And despite all this, despite all this hoopla, despite showing your vaccine passport everywhere you go, we know it doesn't work. We know that the majority of new cases now are among the vaccinated. This is the new data. They're saying that the, if you're double jabbed, you're actually more likely to get Delta than people that are unvaccinated. And now that the spike protein might actually be more enamored with your cells because you're vaccinated and might lower your resistance after you've had COVID. Now, again, I think I've had COVID before. I'm pretty damn sure with my two gooey pink eyes. But the point is, they're still making this push. I mean, this is about control. This is about authoritarianism at the end of the day. But you've heard me talk about this far too much. I don't want to talk about justice today. I want to talk about uh, other things, other people, other circumstances. But I do want to get into the most ridiculous COVID, uh, the new Sesame Street COVID. But before I do, while I'm uh, still kind of tangentially talking about the uh, the Austrian conference, there was a, a man there who I uh, met very briefly, but I wish I had spoken to him more, named Steve Baker. Now, Steve Baker is a uh, an MP, conservative MP, a member of parliament in the UK. And he had tweeted out that now the Bank of England is talking to, or actually is being pressured to imbibe or in... in uh, I guess, uh, what do you call the word? Program into, there's a word I just can't think about for it. 
uh, input, uh, whatever it might be. Doesn't matter. Point being, they're trying to force into a digital currency that the UK is creating a system wherein you can choose what products or services people can or cannot spend that digital currency on. That is not only a wonderful idea if you're a government authoritarian stooge looking for world domination, right? Because that's the next step. Not only having digital currency and eliminating uh, the ability for people to spend cash, which is anonymous, but forcing through, and they will try to force this through. Don't don't be any, you know, don't get concerned or, I'm sorry, don't get confused about that fact. They will try to push this through. But having a digital currency that not only will be able to track people, track where they're at, and you'll be able to shut off the spade at any point in time so they can or can't spend it places. Because again, these digital currencies that are being created by these national banks are not going to be like a Bitcoin. They're not going to be anonymous. They're not going to be decentralized. They will be very centralized and they'll be forced on the population, again, as another measure of control and tracking. But this is another layer of insanity that's going to be inserted in here. To say that you cannot spend this in certain places on certain things is absolutely batshit. Not only that, though, Think about what power that gives to government. Now they can shut off your ability. Let's say there's an environmental initiative, right? And you're a farmer who owns a tractor. Well, now you can't use this digital currency to buy fossil fuels. So you're screwed. Or they decide that, you know, X, Y, and Z products are bad for the environment there, or they're, they're too precious, or maybe that they're in short demand, right? Or short supply. So now when you go to the grocery store, if you try to buy X number of things, well, they'll, they'll just shut you off after one. Or if you try to buy, you know, a component for something that they consider possibly potentially dangerous, well, they shut off your ability to buy that until they can vet you, go through, go through all your history, your purchase history, your banking history, your uh, your social media score, and everything else to make sure that you're capable, trustworthy enough to buy this product. I mean, this is some insanely fuck shit. And you talk about gun control, like let's extend it over here. Talk about gun control here. Well, how easy for is it for the government to just shut off your ability to buy guns? Let's say there's a riot going on. Let's say there's a Black Lives riot going on, which we're going to talk about momentarily. Let's say there's a Black Lives Matter riot going on and people say, you know, shit, I want to buy some guns. I need some ammo. Well, the government decides this isn't the time for that. If anything, we don't need, we need less people to be armed because there's violence in the streets. We don't want more people going out there with more guns. Well, that would be crazy. So let's just turn off your ability to buy any guns or ammo for now with this digital currency. This is absolutely unacceptable. And to Steve Baker's credit, he is exposing this and calling this out. So something worth watching. Now, coming back around here, um, I do want to uh, to talk about, I think we'll talk about the, uh, the Kyle Rittenhouse saga first. And then I'm going to pivot over because there's a little bit more to talk about with COVID, as there always is. And this CNN town hall that they did, which as uh, many people are down and out about, right? Many people are bummed by a different take. So Kyle Rittenhouse, right? I said, you know, talking about digital currency, turn off your ability to buy guns. Kyle Rittenhouse. Now, Kyle Rittenhouse, if you're not familiar with the man, is a man. Now he's a man. Before he was a youngster. He was a 17-year-old. I guess it depends on your definition of man. In the Jewish faith, he would have been a man by four years. But Kyle Rittenhouse, teenager at the time, 17. Friend got him an AR rifle and he went to protect houses or not houses. He went to protect stores. And I believe he actually worked at one of the stores, right? Cross state bounce, state lines. And this is in Wisconsin where, of course, uh, Blake got caught, bought shot. I think it was Jacob Blake. Black man, you know, honestly, if you're reading into this at all, if you're not a, a complete hack, this man was a real piece of shit. 
He had several uh, warrants out, I believe, for, or, sorry, restraining order because he was harassing his ex-girlfriend. He would be breaking into her apartment. He had sexually assaulted her several times, and he was back again, and he had broken into her apartment again. He had just come. He's a very jealous guy. Broke into her apartment, came through the window. She calls the cops. He flees, right? They stop him outside, and he then fights through four cops, right? They tell him to stop 15 times. So this is the official story, by the way. Fights through the cops, right? They tase him a couple of times. He's still fighting through the cops, dives into his car, and at which point the cops think that he has a gun. So they shoot him. Now to me, who has, by the way, gone on the record talking about police brutality, talking about unnecessary use of force many times and over many situations, they'd probably be pulling the trigger, if you'll excuse the bad reference there, pulling the trigger on accusing cops of malfeasance maybe too soon. I read this, and I've gotten in fights with other libertarians about this, I view this as a, necess- a perfectly necessary use of force. If a guy's that crazy, if he's fighting through all these things, if you told him to stop a certain number of times and he is fighting through tasers, everybody else and diving into his car, reaching for something, I'm sorry, but cops are humans too. There comes a point where even if you are not a police officer, if this is all happening, even if this is just a street fight and you're trying to stop some guy who's driving you and he's diving in his car, at some point you have to fear for your own life and you have to defend yourself. And that's what I feel these police did. I feel like they, they took proper actions here. However, of course, there were riots before any of this news came out. It was riots before the actual story came out. You have, you know, LeBron James and a bunch of other assholes stomping off the court, refusing to play before any news or any real reports came out. And you had riots. You had riots at Kenosha, Wisconsin, which is where this took place. So this kid, you know, best intentions or so we have to think. I guess we shouldn't presume. But he has an AR and he goes to defend the store that he works at. And there are Antifa goons, you know, Black Lives Matter slash Antifa slash whatever else, but violent armed goons, rioters, protesters, call them whatever you want. I think I stopped calling them uh, protesters as soon as they started being violent. Three of them approach him, right? And there are threats exchanged. Let me, actually, let me, let me pull up this, uh, this Reason article so I can read you some of the exact quotes. But basically, Kyle Rittenhouse goes in, right? And they have this, this is all coming from the testimony today because Kyle Rittenhouse is in court. This is week two. He's in court. And they're saying that this kid sitting there, right? Armed with a medical kit and an AR-15 chases, chased by protesters, right? So they see him. He's, you know, these people are trying to smash up the store windows. They see him and they chase them. So he backs up, right? He tries to run away, but a guy fires a gun at him. A warning shot, so it's called. Fires a fucking gun at him. So he stops. Turns around. The guy that fires the warning shot at him tries to grab his gun. The guy who shot at him then gets shot by Kyle Rittenhouse. Shoots him four times, kills him, right? That I view as a reasonable use of force for somebody that has already fired one shot at me and now is trying to disarm me, right? You can imagine this kid's afraid for his life. Now, by the way, just to give context, they're arguing that he should be arrested. He's liable for the for murdering two people and, and wounding another third who was in court testifying. <laughs> Did not go well. I'll play the clip for this in a minute. They're saying that because he crossed state lines with this gun, that he put himself in this position and thus he's liable for the for the murder of these people. I would argue that he's a kid who probably made a dumb idea. You know, it was a dumb idea to go over there. But what happened to him after that point, defense of his life, that's what is the topic here. Doesn't matter that he went across state lines. Doesn't fucking matter, you know, if he came across on a on a boat like George Washington. 
if you're afraid for your life, you're afraid for your life. And he was armed. He's defending himself. So that's number one. Then another guy comes up and hits him with a skateboard, right? So that guy also gets shot. A third guy comes up and this man also armed. And let me play this clip now for you guys. Let me just bring it up, make it large. Let me rewind it. And a little, uh, little screen sharing here. Sorry, takes a momento, gentlemen and ladies. So here we go. This is from Reason, and I'll play this clip. I'm going to show you what has been marked as Exhibit 67. Uh, that's a photo of you, yes? Yes. Okay. Um, that's Mr. Rittenhouse? Correct. Okay. Now, you'd agree your firearm is pointed at Mr. Rittenhouse, correct? Yes. Okay. And once your firearm is pointed at Mr. Rittenhouse, that's when he fires his gun. Yes? No. Sir, look, I don't want to... Does this look like right now your arm is being shot? That looks like my bicep being vaporized, <laughs> yes. Okay. And it's being vaporized and you're pointing your gun directly at him. Yes? Yes. Okay, so... When you were standing three to five feet from him with your arms up in the air, he never fired, right? Correct. It wasn't until you pointed your gun at him, advanced on him with your gun, now your hands down, pointed at him, that he fired, right? Correct. All right, there you go. So you heard that, that's from the horse's mouth. And, uh, you know, it's pretty obvious when you're talking about these people, right? You know, you're, you're talking about people that have been consistently misrepresenting what's happened at these riots, who the aggressors have been over and over again, right? And Antifa are typically always the aggressors. In virtually every video I've ever seen, uh, Antifa are also always the aggressors, every time. In this situation, you have another thing where the protest, the uh, prosecutors are trying to make this out, although this kid's just shooting randomly, that he's just a, a murderous monster. And yet... What happens? Oh, that's right. The admit on record shot at first, right? This kid was shot at first. They rush him. They chase him. He tried to run away. Guy shoots at him, tries to grab his gun. He shoots him. He tried to run away again. They chase him down again and hit him in the head with a skateboard. So he defends himself again, fearing for his life. A third time he's fallen down. He's on the ground there. Now, if you're listening on the podcast, he's literally on the ground. Because these guys are chasing him. He falls over. And this guy runs up with a fucking pistol. Kyle Rittenhouse doesn't shoot him. And then when he points his gun at him, he shoots him. I'm sorry, but it certainly seems to me that this kid should be getting off. And that's why I said, get ready for the riots, folks. Get ready for the riots because they're coming for you. Pray that we don't have digital currency in place that they can cut off what we can buy, what we can't buy. Because you are going to see riots because this kid is going to get off, should get off. And that's a good thing. I'll take the riots. Right. I'll take the riots because there has to be some sort of rule of law. There has to be some sort of standard applied to this. Where you can't just railroad people. You can't just make sure that people are put away, that they're that they're, you know, crucified for whatever woke concept, woke, you know, nonsense. The Democrats or the CRT people are pushing through that it's going to pit people against each other, that they're trying to get people divided, rioting in the streets, attacking one another, destroying public property and private property. 
and that the narrative should be that you can't do anything to protect your property or yourself, or that goes against some sort of narrative that's created wherein this is all just. Should you defend your property or yourself against these people that you are unjust, that you are partaking in hate, that you are a racist, that you're a bigot, that you're somehow stuck in another period of time and you are in the way of progress and you'll be on the wrong side of history, quote unquote, the wrong side of history. Kyle Rittenhouse just might end up on the right side of history. I'm not saying that that the loss of human life is ever a good thing, right? I'm not saying that's even a great thing that somebody should be able to buy a gun and give it to him and, you know, whatever. Not that I'm necessarily against that. I'm pretty much open guns and everybody should just buy a gun and be able to walk out of the store without a receipt. But I can understand why people would say that, right? I can understand where they're coming from in saying that and that he shouldn't have put himself in that position. But when you have a kid and he's armed and you have a bunch of fucking thugs around him, it's not unreasonable to expect that he's going to defend himself. And maybe, as another silver lining of this, people will start to think twice before they just decide to charge in and attack people who happen to be armed. Or just in general, run in and attack people like these thugs at Antifa and the BLM crowd have been doing for the past year. Maybe a little bit of pause. Maybe let's give them, take a second. Speaking of taking a second, guys. I'd love it if you could take a second and go and subscribe to The Boring Podcast. It is our version. If you're familiar with Legion of Skanks, if you're familiar with uh, you know, Big J Okerson's show, the, uh, the Bonfire, look, it's our comedy show here from Lions of Liberty. It's got me. It's got John Odermatt from Finding Freedom. It's got our legal counsel, Rico, and it's got Howie Snowden, the godfather of Lions of Liberty. We tell some of the funniest stories. We shoot the shit. We make the jokes. We say the worst things about the worst people. We do a little bit of reality and a lot of games, a lot of uh, you know things, wonders of the internet, if you will, as well as stories from our past and our time at the fraternity. So check that out. We took last week off because I was in Austria. We're back on this week. You can even watch live. You don't even have to pay for it, amazingly, even though we do have a Patreon. But you can watch that live. We're going to do it every week, 7 p.m. PT, 10 p.m. ET. You can get us on uh, Facebook, just The Boring Pod, right? And it's B-O-H-R-I-N-G. Just check that out. Type it in your browser, The Boring Podcast. Join us, laugh with us, and uh, give the figure to the man. Okay, so coming back in to talk about... To talk about this CNN town hall, right? I got I'm just going to start playing a little bit of it, and uh, and just kind of talk along with it because I'll play a few minutes. It's just it's so absurd. But like I said, I have a different take on this than most people do. Similar to the Kyle Rittenhouse fallout, I think that there's a silver lining here that we have to talk about. All right, let me let me uh, cue this up. Here we go. <laughs> oh, oh, is it time for the town hall already? Hi. Hey there. <laughs> Hola. Hi, everyone. Hello it's there. So good to see all of you. <laughs> oh, it really is. But Elmo, why are you dressed? Is it like a clown? Oh, yes. Oh, it's kind of embarrassing. This whole thing's kind of embarrassing. Now, of course, remember, it's a virtual play date because they weren't you know, vaccinated. It's kind of hard to move around in these big shoes. <laughs> I can see that, Elmo, but I have to say it's wonderful to actually see all of you. It also sounds and looks like you and your families have been staying healthy. Oh, oh, oh I have a way I've been staying healthy, Dr. Sanjay. Look. Oh, does Rosita have a boo-boo? Oh, oh, no, I make of this. this is from my COVID vaccine. My mommy and my papi took me to get it this morning. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, Rosita, that's great. Getting the COVID vaccine is a great way to stay healthy. Unless you're a child at risk of developing myocarditis, pericarditis, etc. My friends, my neighbors, my abuela, all healthy. Your parents are now. By the way, they make sure to tell you on this on the video that that uh, what's her name? Abuela Rosita is five years old. Remember that? Five years old. Stop the spread of COVID and keep everyone healthy. See. And in three weeks later, I have to go back to the doctors and get my second shot. And Kitty, oh, let me show you. This gatito will be coming with me to take that shot. All right. Anyway, I'm not going to play the rest of it. You get the idea. Now, there we go. Now they go into, now this is clearly targeting, right? Because they're targeting children with this. They're trying to get people on board, the parents on board. And CNN is basically going all in. And people are calling this government propaganda. It is. It is government propaganda. Now, CNN and Sesame Street have been teaming up for these town hall things. I didn't realize this for months. Sesame Street has been doing their own version of pro-vaccine propaganda for months. Now, this is a reason, by the way, I don't let my kid watch Sesame Street now. We watch old Sesame Street. It's actually, we, stopped, we started watching The Muppet Show from way back when. And yes, I grip my teeth every time there's a warning that tells me that there was something in that episode forthcoming that is out of date that was wrong then and it's wrong now you know like for example they had a a witch doctor uh muppet doc dancing around for a lime in the coconut sketch when kermit was in the hospital you put the lime in the coconut so that i think was why they flagged it but it's gotten so woke it's gotten so corporate it's gotten so government cronious and so absolutely by the book talking point for progressive bullshit i can't watch it and i'm i'll be goddamned if i'm gonna let my kid watch it and as I said before, what's hilarious about this is that before this, at least, you know, I can get behind what Sesame Street is doing. And I liked it to begin with. You know, you have people of all cultures, all races getting together, getting along. They're not pointing out each other's differences. They're not pointing out that each other, you know, each other's race and religion. They're not pointing out each other's privilege. They're not pointing out that colonialism has been, you know, to blame for X, Y, and Z. And that the only reason that they speak Spanish in this country is because of the colon. It was just about getting along. Learning, getting along, but it was about bringing all these races together, right? Without being overbearing about it. We've been doing it 50 years and now it's evolved into this, into this shit. We're more, we're divided by that ever as a culture and as a community and as a world. Race problems are worse now than they've been in the past 30 years. Why? Because of shit that's going on, like what Sesame Street does now with, with critical race theory, with people blaming each other and saying that all the problems of the world fall on the shoulders of one segment of the population. Instead of just saying, look, let's get along. Let's learn to live with each other. Let's learn to talk to each other. Instead of denying each other uh, the ability to speak or communicate or saying that you're mansplaining or you're whitesplaining or you're blacksplaining or whatever it might be. Anyway, now seeing this poison, right? This And that's what this is. This is poison being spread by the governments. And I say physical poison because I don't think children should be getting vaccines at age five and, and up for this because, frankly, they don't need it. It's the absolute lowest risk population. They don't have they basically zero deaths. Now, you can find a couple here and there, but it's something, you know, per million. It's so infinitesimal that it's barely measurable, practically unmeasurable. But they'll find outliers to point to. And they also will report deaths of young people that they will not, they'll, they won't tell you that these people also had cancer. They won't tell you these people also had different health problems. They'll just say, oh, there's a kid who died of COVID. But for the most part, don't die, don't spread it, unaffected. And the cognitive and development aspects of this are beyond our fathoming right now. 
when you have kids getting masks, wearing, you know, wearing masks, getting jabs, being told that they could die, that they're going to spread this and kill grandmother. These are difficult things. Death is hard enough to explain to a child, right? I would go out of my way not to scare my child without reason. And this is definitely something that there's no reason to scare your child about. Your child should not walk around thinking they're going to kill their grandmother if they don't get double jabbed with this poison and have far greater risk of developing a heart issue, which we're seeing in a lot of young people, a lot of 30-year-olds we're seeing in athletics, we're seeing it in teens that are playing sports, a lot of heart issues, a lot of heart valve leakage, pericarditis, myocarditis, and other issues, right? Accelerated heartbeat. And we don't even know what's around the bed. There's no reason for them to get the shot, but they're pushing this shot. This is a sickness. Now, Brian, you say, okay, you, Brian, you were supposed to tell us good news. You said you had a different take on this. What is your different take, my friend, instead of just railing it? I've heard everybody say this before. Here's my take. This is a great thing. This is not only a great thing because it's happening right now and they're targeting children, but also because we can trace it back and see all the COVID propaganda before, right? You type in CNN, COVID Town Hall, Sesame Street, you get all of the other videos that Sesame Street has put out. So. I view this in the same way that I view the Yunkin victory over McAuliffe in Virginia as a sign of the times, right? And that sign is a turning symbol, right? There's a fork in the road and people are now going to take the path of travel. Thank you, Frost. They're going to see this. The same people, right? And I don't mean the same specific people. I don't mean overlapping people that voted for Yunkin, but these are the same people. But the same types of people, parents who actually give a shit, parents who are not going to be completely blind, blindfolded, you know, progressives, and even those people might wake up to this. But this kind of content, specifically going after children, specifically trying to brainwash kids into getting something and, and you know, living in fear, but then being convinced that this shot, which we already know does not work to stop the vaccine, doesn't work to risk getting all of these heart defects. From the shot is criminal, right? But that's what they're pushing. Parents are going to see this. The same parents that voted off McAuliffe, that voted in Youngkin based upon education, based upon controlling what their children are exposed to, based upon what content they have in control of as far as what their children are reading, what their children are seeing. These people are going to wake up. This is pushing the boundary too far. This type of shit is what's going to awaken the beast that is parental guidance, that is parental concern for their young. And they're not only going to see this and stop watching Sesame Street. They're not going to see this and stop being, you know, stop believing shit they see on CNN. They're going to start to question everything that's being told. They're going to look back and see all these other propaganda videos that have been being pushed out by Sesame Street. And people are going to turn that show off as well. This is how it happens. We are at a crux, right? So this is a good thing because this is a real wake up moment for people. This is a, there is no greater human instinct than that to protect your child. Now there's problems with this. You know, I was talking with people at the, at the conference. um, I was talking with Matt and Terry Kibbe about this in in, uh, particular. And I think also a a nice Scotsman I met uh, named, uh, named Callum Nicholson. Also was talking to an Irishman uh, named Aiden Walsh. Aiden Walsh, welcome on board. Give an interesting talk uh, that I enjoyed about uh, spontaneous order. But I was talking about how parents are still, and probably maybe this will actually help with this problem as well. Parents still in their heart of hearts, right? Want to protect their children above all. There's still that instinct to dive in front of the bullets, to dive in front of the flame. If you're an Antifa parent, you'll dive in front of Kyle Rittenhouse's bullets. <laughs> Shooting at, you know, protect your kid. So those Antifa parents out there, you know them. So, 
the thing is, though, it's like, you know, I wonder if this will wake people up and make them pay more attention to what their children are watching and doing and actually pay more attention overall. Because I do think a huge problem today is with parents being on social media so much, parents being concerned with, with uh, their likes, their tweets, their what's even their, just their emails, but everybody's on their phone, right? The insidious black mirror. And I was thinking about this and you know, conversing about it, and I hadn't really voiced this before the conference, but if you think about quantitatively, right? how much time a parent should spend with their child, which is arguably, you know, as much time as possible. Every, every moment you're home with the kid, even though it's a pain in the ass and trust me, it's a fucking pain in the ass, especially got a kid like mine, adorable, you know, smart little goblin, but never stops moving, never stops talking, never stops doing. And it can be a lot, but so many parents now they're content to put their kid in front of the TV or the tablet and they walk away and they look on their phone and they scroll through social media, right? It's an all encompassing uh, obsession. It is an addiction and it legitimately is that. If we usually should spend 60% of our time, right? Available time with our kids, you know, 40% working, whatever, 60% or whatever it might be, your available free time, 100% of that available free time with your child. Now we have parents on their phones 20 to 25% of the time. No one's calculating the detriment to our children. And this is on top of the fact that our children are going through schools now. If your child, you know, my kid's younger than two, so she doesn't have to wear to daycare yet, but children are older than two, masked. Maybe that, you know, that's just in California because Gavin Newsom, that piece of shit, who, by the way, Gavin Newsom disappeared for 10 days. Jen Psaki disappeared for 10 days, right? We don't know why. COVID for, for Jen. Gavin Newsom just got his booster shots. He's been disappeared. He said it's family obligations. I say they're all fucking. I say they're using COVID as an excuse. They're all banging in the bushes. But that's just me. But anyway, you got your kids masked up, right? So they're already getting a learning disability in the way that Kids need to see each other's faces. You have to have that. You know, people talk about social, emotional learning. How about some social, emotional learning of being able to see faces, understand what it means with facial expressions, intuitively know if somebody is a threat or not, if they understand what you're saying or not. Learn how to speak and pronounce words. If you can't see a mouth, you cannot learn to pronounce words. When people are reading a book to you and they're trying to teach you to pronounce the vowels in the book, they are not going to be able to do that because there's a fucking mask in the way. But you put that learning disability on top, right? This fostering of you know, social awkwardness and it, without a doubt, what is going to be a decline in function for these kids that are wearing these masks, at least while they're having them on. You pair that with parents that now, when they're home, masked or unmasked, I'm sure there are parents that are home sitting in masks on these fucking people in California where I live. Now you pair that, right? These people are at home. Instead of spending 100% of their free time with their children, actually actively spending time with them. Now they're spending 65%. What is the quantifiable impact of that? I mean, you think about that, honestly, less time interacting, less time speaking, less time learning how to emote, to connect, less time uh, getting affection. You're creating monsters now, right? You're, this is what's going to happen. You're creating monsters where they will now look more than ever. We already have a problem in this country and, and every other country with social media and children looking for affection and attention from online sources. They want the likes. They want the tweets. They want the retweets. They want that affirmation. My guess is that a lot of these kids aren't getting it at home. Now, some of them probably the system of the drug war, right? Breaking up families, disincentivizing people from getting back together for them. Half of this is that everything the media is feeding us, everything the government's doing is designed to break families apart. And yes, I do think this is an intentional thing designed to break families apart because when you have family units destroyed, who becomes the family? Who becomes the reliable factor that you fall back on? Government. If you need to borrow money, government. 
If you don't have a job, government. If you don't have food, government, right? Your source of, uh, of news, government. But you're creating these monsters now that are looking for outside exterior forces for affirmation, for love, for uh, for comfort, for community, for family, right? They're establishing family units, which are gaming groups. They're establishing family units, which are online chat boards or Twitter groups or whatever it might be, instead of getting direct parental love, affection, growth, teaching them, passing down morals. This is going to be a huge problem. I'm telling you for a fact. If you have a kid, please, please take my advice here. Get off your fucking phones. Tell your friends to get off their phones. Shame people that are on their phones. If they're ignoring their children at length, please, this is a problem. This is going to be something that needs to be studied. I can't think of right now what the quantifiable effect of a denial of 35% of my parents. If my parents denied me affection for 35% of the time, right? Was I was when I'm in my formative years, I would be a definitely a different person. <laughs> Maybe for the best. <laughs> Maybe they're why I am the way I am. I am what I am, as says the Popeyes. All right, so moving on to the breaking on. Um, some of the interesting things that are happening with, uh, you know, I talked about face masks. So shocker, shocker, let's open up this study out of Cardiff University, which, of course, is over in the UK. But a new study, and even the BBC is reporting on this, new study coming out says that face masks affect how we interact and of course, this is another one of those examples of who fucking could have predicted. Big shock to the world, right? That this is going to be something that comes out. Who could have seen this coming? And yet, we finally have some proof. So they're saying that wearing face masks can be affecting the way we interact with others. People tend to automatically imitate others' facial expressions of emotion. However, a study led by Cardiff University found people are unable to use their mouth to mimic that emotion, struggle to empathize with other people. Lead author Ross Vandervert said, or Vanderwert said, people tend to automatically imitate when looking at them, whether it be a smile, a frown, or a smirk. This facial mimicry where the brain recreates and mirrors the emotional experience of the other person affects how we empathize with others and interact socially. Our studies suggest that when movements of the lower part of the face are disrupted or hidden, this can be problematic, particularly for positive social interactions and the ability to share emotions. Now, then, of course, he has to put on some bullshit at the end. He added, wearing a face mask continues to be vital to protect ourselves and others during a COVID-19 pandemic. Not true. No study has shown that has more of the effect other than 6%. The only study that gave me any number that I could find, and I read five different studies, by the way, on this, 6% is what they said. Great. But research suggests this may have an important implications for the way we communicate and interact. So again, this is an instance of a broader impact from COVID that we don't know yet. But we know that it's affecting empathy. As I said, it's affecting the way in which people can understand and empathize with each other. And empathy is already something we don't really have much of, do we? When we talk about people that we don't already agree with, empathy is something that's not in high, <laughs> high supply. And maybe these masks, just another, I mean, I don't want to go down conspiracy lane here, but maybe they already know this. Maybe again, like I was saying, you know, dividing people, conquering people, maybe this is another uh, drop in that bucket. But if nothing else, I have to think once again about the children. Won't somebody think about the children? The impact that this is happening, creating monsters that are now 
not learning how to empathize. They can't learn how to interact. They can't understand. They can't learn things as quickly as others. So they're going to be stuck in this government system even longer. Now they have to go to summer school, right? Because they're failing out of their classes. They don't know how to read properly. They never heard to speak properly. Now they have to take all these sorts of government courses from speech therapists and psychiatrists. They have to go to summer school. They have to go to full-time school, right? The government's got it. Great. And social media and all of all the, the poison from that is, is raising these children. <laughs> An extra 30% of the time. Oh, it's bad, folks. But I think it's getting better. I really honestly do. I think we're passing the Rubicon. I think we're going in a different direction. I think people are waking up and are going to be dropping the masks, dropping the vaccine nonsense. And already we're seeing some victories in that realm. For example, most truck drivers are going to be exempted from getting the vaccine. They were supposed to get it. Biden wanted them to get it. Any company with over 100 employees, but a lot of individual truckers were also being forced into this vaccine mandate, right? To cross state lines, to go different, do, because they're interacting with people like us, uploading, offloading. They now have been exempted, most of them. Some of them still fall under these guidelines, but most of them have now been exempted. That's huge. That's huge for the supply lines. That's a huge individual victory uh, that Biden has been struck down the courts. And also, courts to the Ninth Circuit Court, I believe, just struck down the OSHA ruling that mandated that companies over 100 people have to get their folks vaccinated. Now, Biden says, oh, I'm going to fight it, even though this is during all the COVID cases dropping in the United States, California, record low COVID cases right now, something like 11 COVID cases that are new a day out of 100,000 people, statistically, nothing. But meanwhile, we just had the vaccine passports go into place. Got to show your vaccine passport to go to the bar. So I think the worm's turning. Oh, another thing, you know, in the midst of this, right, getting struck down, being denied this mandate victory for truck drivers in the midst of this, of course, Biden certain general. Now he's saying, well, I don't rule out. I'm not, I'm not backing down from this. I don't rule out extending the vaccine mandate to companies that have under hundred employees. Now, if we already have a problem with supply chains and this is all government cost, by the way, remind your friends, every issue they experience is caused by the government, be it be supply chains, be it be not being able to get uh, you know, their, their deliveries on time, be it be the trucking shortage. This is all government cost. They'll say it's the pandemic. Well, we have a pandemic, which, yes, it has a high death toll if we are to believe the numbers. And by the way, I believe it was Italy just revised their numbers. They did a study and lowered their numbers from something like, it was like 80,000 people. They lowered it down, saying people that just died from COVID because they've been reporting every death, right? as a COVID death, if you died with COVID, not of COVID. And this has been predominant. I already told you guys in episodes past, Alhambra in California, San Jose, they also did recounts and lowered their numbers by about 25,000 after doing those recounts, because there's a big difference between dying from COVID and dying with COVID. And if we see an honest recount, you will see the global death toll drop precipitously. I'm talking 60 to 70%. And Italy is an example of that. But in the midst of all this, of course, now oh, we have to go after the companies with less than 100 employees. So what do you think is going to happen if that happens? We already have supply chain issues. We already have problems with getting basic goods, basic necessities, toilet paper, paper towels, water, gasoline. Because now they're going after a new pipeline. If we go after companies with less than 100 employees, what the fuck do they think is going to happen? I mean, this is another economy-destroying move. This is, you know, we already have an economy that people aren't getting the jobs that are open to them. And it's interesting. I listened to a paper being read at the conference, uh, the Austrian conference, talking about the effects of bailouts, right, on corporations and employment. 
And I'd argue that we're not even taking in another aspect of the bailouts on corporate in America and how right now you can't find enough people to fill jobs. But I would also argue that the billions and billions of dollars, and remember the bailout package in the United States, the trillions of dollars they gave out, the average American family got something like uh, 6,000. <laughs> I think my wife and I got 300. But the average family got 6,000 when they could have gotten 60. That's how big it was. So where did the other 54,000 go? They went to big corporate bailouts. They handed these companies billions and billions of dollars each company. I have to think that if you're a big company, you're saying, well, we can't fill these jobs. We need these positions. But at the same time, you are affecting the market with these bailouts. My foot's cramping. That hurts immensely. Mm, it's going to push through, folks. Push through this foot cramp. My instep is going crazy on me. So if you're a big corporation, though, right? You say, oh, my God, we have all these job openings, but we really want to fill them. But at the same time, in a free market environment, if you didn't have billions given to you by government, you would have to fill those, those, those jobs in order to produce your product, to stay profitable, to stay afloat, to not go into bankruptcy. You have to fill those positions, even if it means taking some hits. It means you have to incentivize the employees. You have to continue to push either giving them benefits, giving them higher pay rates, giving them four-day work weeks, whatever it might be. You have to fill those jobs. You don't have an alternative. But when the government comes in and says, we're going to hand you $30 billion and you're still going to be able to be open in some respects, you're still going to be you know, somewhat profitable. And now here's $30 billion on top of this. And you can you know, have the ability to borrow money at virtually zero interest. How does that impact how they recruit employees? If you have all this money to borrow, given to you to spend, your incentive to hire, to spend all this money, to give these people what would actually get them off the couch and into your place of business, your incentive is far lower. So think about that. That's all I have to say about that. I don't. I, I thought I had something else, but my mind's gone blank. It's probably still the, the jet lag. Um, last couple of things just to, well, blah, 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 to wrap up here. Um, <laughs> you know, the United States government killed a family, killed like seven children in Yemen. Nobody's getting fired. Nobody's getting blamed. Nobody's getting fined. They found that the uh, there was no culpability, right? There, no one's to blame for this. It was just a whoopsie, right? But the, the fucked up thing about this, and I remember I was talking to Matt Kibbe about this. The fucked up thing about this, this whole situation where they dropped this bomb and killed this, these children, was the government says, well, you know, we, we uh, didn't make a mistake. Okay, if you didn't make a mistake, you dropped a bomb that killed children. How is that not a mistake? Were you aiming at the children? Or were the children on a, a hit list, you know, government's kill list? Were these children that refused to get double vaccinated and thus had to be taken out by the Sesame Street murder plane? The, uh, <laughs> the I'm trying to think of like a, a Sesame Street character that begins with a B. I was going to make a Memphis Bell reference, but I can't think of one that starts with a B. So the Memphis Elmo dropping a bomb on these kids, you know, Sesame Street, Elmo on the side dropping bombs. It's just amazing. And, you know, there's a real, there's some reporting on it, but there's a, little, a real lack of outrage. And that's intentional, I think. This is why I suggested that all of these concepts running out, even climate change, it's got everybody up in arms. You have everybody at the COP26 right now. Prince Charles, this has been the Lost Vienna episode. Prince Charles talked about how we have to address climate change as though it's a warlike footing. Which, of course, when you think about a warlike footing, when it comes to addressing matters of the state, right, the health of the country, and it's a war well, what does that tell you? Well, that means that they're talking about privatization, or I should say nationalization of private entities, because during wartime, all boots on the ground, man, everybody's got to step up. Your company isn't your company anymore. We need your company to make 
cars that run on EV batteries. We need your car, your company to make uh, chips because there's a chip shortage. We need your company to create carbon capturing technology. Yeah, whatever it might be. Or we just need your company to shut down. We're in a war, man. You got to shut that thing down. That's polluting too damn much. Warlike footing. That's what I'm saying. You have all of these people going out here, trying to scare you, trying to divide you, trying to make you believe the end of the world is nigh and the only people that can save you are the government. <laughs> we know that's effectively the least true thing in the history of the world when governments are responsible for virtually all of the killing that happens on a mass scale in the world. But you see this whitewashing of this latest incident. No one's to blame. No mistakes were made, yet children are dead. Beautiful world, isn't it? And the last thing I'm going to play for you guys uh, are idiots of the week. And I still, I forgot to get Josh Anderson's lovely uh, jingle played up or queued up here. I got to make a graphic for it so I can import it. But let me just play this little ditty for you to take us out into that good night. And before I do, by the way, don't don't forget to listen to Matt McKinney and Burn in Daylight. Great guy, cowboy, libertarian, fantastic podcast. You guys are going to love that. So check him out. Uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's go out with MSNBC talking about how the uh, the lieutenant governor is African American, right? But of course, who's the governor? Youngkin, that racist who wants your children to not hate each other and for have you to have a say in what they learn. So, without further ado, let's cue this little munchkin up, and you can enjoy the absolute insanity that is this video. By ventriloquist effect, there is a black mouth moving, but a white idea through the running on the runway of the tongue of a figure who justifies and legitimates uh, the white supremacist practices. We know that we can internalize in our own minds, in our own subconscious, in our own bodies, the very principles that are undoing us. So to have a black face uh, speaking in behalf of a white supremacist legacy is nothing new. And it is to the chagrin of those of us who study race that the white folk on the other side and the right wingers on the other side don't understand this is politics one on one and this is race, not even one on one. What's beneath one on one? It's the it's the pre-K of race. You should understand the fact that if you tell black people, look, I support a Negro. Look, there is a person of color that I am in favor of. And that person of color happens to undermine and undercut and subvert the very principles about which we are concerned. You do yourself no service by pointing to them as an example of your racial progressivism. Yeah. So there you go. That is, in fact, race 101. Actually, he's right. It is sub race 101 that goes back to the slimiest of low when it comes to progressive tactics hey if you're black and you don't agree with the dogma and the i'd say plantation mentality of the democrats own black people right and that is a plantation mentality the fuck (laughs) i love it i love when windows just randomly play sounds that is the plantation mentality right they want these people to be on the plantation the democrats view black people as essentially their property Right. I don't think I'm going out of bounds by saying that Democrats view black people as their property that has to vote the way that they want them to. And if you dare to go off the plantation, they will come after you. They will call you every name in the book. They'll call you an Uncle Tom. They'll call you. uh, What does he say? The black voice of white supremacy. They'll do anything they can to demonize you and make sure that everybody else knows. That that escaped slave is not to be trusted. And that the reason they ran away can't simply be because they want freedom, that they wanted to think for themselves, 
Can't believe that it's because they feel that they've been abused by the current plantation owners, aka the progressives, which I would argue that they have for decades and decades and decades. Horribly abused. Fucking horribly abused. Can't be that. That can't be the reason why that slave's running away. It must simply be that they are brainwashed. It must simply be that they're somehow confused. <laughs> Or maybe that they are, uh, I don't even know. I don't even know what what other justification these people come up with for them. But that's going to round our show up, guys. Thank you for listening. Please do go subscribe to the show. Share the show, guys. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the like button. Tell a friend. Please write us a review, by the way, on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify, wherever you're listening. Write us a review. And please retweet the show. Tell people about this show. Tell people about the good work we're doing here. And also, please support us on Patreon. Very important to what we're doing here. Like I said, I want to do more with Do Nothing Man, with uh, some other projects that I have in mind. They're going to be more engaging on a cultural level. Try to get outside of specific libertarian uh, you know, dogma, but bring people content that's going to make them think without being defensive. But I need your help. We need your help. So join us, won't you? Patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. But um, you know, more importantly than that, share the show. I'd rather have you share the show Every single time it publishes, I'd rather have you go and tell people on message boards, listen to Brian McWilliams, listen to Electric Liberty Land, listen to Lions of Liberty. Three shows every week, guys. Flagship with Mark Claire, John Nodermatt coming in Thursdays right after me. That's three shows for your listening pleasure. Three different takes every week. I'd rather have you share that, consistently tell people about us than giving me five bucks a month. I'll tell you that. But don't forget, you can get that nice, nice mug if you jump on. All right, guys, that's going to do it. For me, Brian McWilliams from the Lions of Liberty and from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged in to... (laughs) 